What is up, Fathom fam? Thank you for listening and supporting the Fathom Church podcast. Remember, you can always connect with us at fathomchurchjacks.com and on all your social media platforms as well as on YouTube. We just want to let you know about a new weekly podcast that is now available to you called Fathom Beyond Sunday. Very different from our normal sermon podcast, really just um, some casual, engaging conversation on faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. How are you guys doing? You can do better than that. How are you doing at home? Can we hear you, Fathom fam, at home? Man, I'm, I'm really thankful to be uh, right here. I'm, I'm so thankful that the, the cases in Jacksonville and throughout our nation are, are going down. I want to encourage you just to continue to pray for our nation. I just pray for our nation. Like, um, I, I pray that you're, you're thriving spiritually. I really do. I, I pray that this is a place, if you're new here, that you can grow in your faith and you can grow in family because um, we're doing this thing together. I'm actually going to spend uh, this message today talking about the responsibility we have uh, as a uni- like unified body of Christ. And I want to talk about that, but I just want to encourage you, pray for our nation, pray for our president, pray for those that are ill uh, right now, those that have lost loved ones. It's been I mean, we can, we can say what we want about all, all this stuff. We can have our own perspectives, but like 200,000 people have died of something, whether it's coronavirus on top of something else. And what, they, they've, they've died, and that's, that, that's a lot of loss in our country. And so just continue to lift up uh, our nation in, in prayer. Uh, I'm so thankful to be here with you. If you are new here, text Fathom to 97,000 and give us an opportunity to start a relationship. If you haven't uh, hung out with us at DNA sessions, we'd love to see you right after service. See Christina, wave your hand in the room, or just right there online. You can jump on fathomchurchjacks.com and start those DNA sessions, and then we'll see you in person here uh, the next time we have those uh, events on the first and second Sunday of every month. So uh, we'd love to, to see you there. Uh, so many of you know that um, uh, we, we've, we've made a little bit of shift in things here uh, with the way we're, we're operating with the, the mask um, policy and that uh, we're allowing people to just kind of flow with, with that as their, their comfort level, really encouraging people. We're still socially distanced, still keeping uh, our space in here, still encouraging uh, air high fives and that type of thing. And, and the reason that really prompted that just over the, the past uh, several weeks and, and month is is uh, just a, a, a passion in my heart to see the church unified, right? Um, even if we're worshiping at home, I want us to be unified. Even if we have different mindsets and different uh, feelings about uh, the virus and the political things and all the things going on in the world, I, it's important that we be united. And so I, I really feel called to preach on the responsibility of, of unity today. Uh, many years ago, um, I, when I was a uh, a worship pastor, uh, Taryn and I both got the flu one weekend, and um, as um, I, I feel like this is kind of insensitive now in our current kind of climate, the way we think about our health and stuff, but um, I was like puking all weekend, and I just like kind of, you know, wipe the throw up and then get up and preach the gospel. That's, I've done that before, and then, and then get up and lead worship, and, and this particular Sunday, I walked into my, uh, my pastor's office that morning, and, and um, he just looked at me, and he goes, go home. I'm like, Yes, sir. <laughs> and so I went home, and we continued to ride out the virus that was <clears throat> in our life. And we had, uh, all, I'd been watching the show Lost, old show Lost. Anybody watch that? Yeah. We'd watched Lost uh, from the beginning, but Taryn had never seen it, so I had the box DVDs. When, like, is that, anybody still got some box DVDs, right, sitting around the house? So I had the box DVDs of, of Lost, and I uh, still have them. They're for sale, by the way, if anybody <laughs> would like to find my eBay, eBay account. Um, 
but we, we watched them all that weekend. And, and for those of you that don't know, know anything about the show, it's this group of plane passengers who, their, their plane crashes on this deserted island. And uh, they're all trying to just figure out how to survive uh, with the craziness that, that ensued on this island. And they think they're alone, but then there was the others, right? And, um, and, and so there's one particular moment in the show in which um, everybody is just disagreeing about how they ought to survive and the things they ought to do and, and what needs to happen on the island. And, and one of the protagonists of the show, uh, Jack, says this classic line, if, if we don't learn to live together, we're going to die alone. If we don't learn to live together, then we're going to die alone. And I, and I feel like somebody just needs, we need to host some watch parties and then a prayer meeting right after that episode <laughs> for Christians today. Because what the six months have done for many, for many believers is we've started living in our faith alone. Whether that's at home or in person and you're just not touching anybody, you're not talking to anybody and we're just... And so I think we need to hear this word more than what we even realize we need to hear this word. Because many of us, we're dying alone. We're not telling anybody we're dying alone. We're just dying alone. But the tr- truth of the matter is that as the body of Christ, the citizens of heaven, we are called to live together. We're called to live together in unity and in harmony, and those two things are a lot to explore there. And so today I, I want to look to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, you guys will remember last um, week we were in First Peter, the week before we were in Philippians chapter 3, when we looked at the text at being citizens of heaven, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, that we are therefore citizens of heaven. All right, so we're going to look to Philippians uh, chapter 2 this morning. If you want to pull it up in your Bible, they're having some technical difficulties um, back there. So that's why you bring your Bible. That's why you bring your Bible app so we can stay with it. Philippians chapter 2, we're just going to read the first five verses this morning. It says this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, Philippians chapter 2, I know you guys are turning quick. You're used to it being on the screens. We're a little spoiled, aren't we, with that? It's like nice to have it, but... Um, it's digging into the word. If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, chapter 2, verse 2 says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be that as uh, the same as that of Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful for his word today because I believe Paul is speaking about unity to a church that he has seen uh, divided in their own time about the way that church ought to be done, about uh, certain parts in the faith and certain convictions that some have and others don't have. And he sees the people kind of fracturing and, and he knows about certain relationships that are, there's actually a tension. There's actually, they're not on the same page. And I think he gives us a pathway, really four things I want to share with you today. I'll go ahead and download them all and then you'll just have them to, to kind of um, uh, write and, and work through and listen. The first is really, he, he speaks about where does the foundation of our unity come from? And this is an important thought we're going to wrestle with and look into the text and see what God speaks, that what's the foundation of our unity as believers? Second thing he really tells us is where the, the, the battle for unity is really won. He says over and over throughout the, the, really the letter to the Philippians that the battleground for this 
is our mind. The battleground for unity is actually in our mind. That's why he's calling so much to get on the same page, be of the same mind. We're going to talk through that. He then he, he gives us, okay, what are the actions that will promote unity? And we're going to look at that. And then finally, I want to spend the last few minutes talking about the responsibility of unity and why unity is such a big deal that we are all called to and we're all called to participate in. So let's first deal with the foundation uh, for our unity. And Paul uses really the rhetorical device here and he asks, hey, do you have any um, connection with Christ? Do you have any encouragement that flows out of being united with Christ? He asks these questions like, do, do you have any common spirit? Do you share the same spirit as brothers and sisters? He continues on, do you have mercy and compassion that flows out of those relationships with the Father and the Spirit and the Son? Do you, is there anything that flows from that? He says, if there is, then be of the same mind. So for Paul, the foundation for our unity is that we all have the same love and the same spirit living within us. This is really good news because most of us, we've defined unity in a very superficial way. We've defined unity by, is everybody getting along? And so we find a lack of unity happens very quickly because everybody's not getting along or someone's offended me and therefore there's no unity. And so we've defined it in very superficial ways, but what Paul is teaching us is that our unity is at the foundation of our salvation. It's in the blood of Jesus. Do you have any common spirit? And the answer to that is, yes, we do. We're both citizens of heaven. We both have the same spirit living within us. Have we been saved by the same blood of Jesus that we just partook in that? The, the, the communion is a beautiful symbol of the unity we have. All across the world in different homes today, we're still unified because of the blood of Jesus. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Is that your story? That's, that's my story. He didn't save me because of my good works, and he won't save you because of your good works. That's not the gospel. He, he found us still as sinners, and it's that same love that is the foundation for our unity. But the, the reality is that the foundation of our unity has to be tested. It'll have to be tested. And most people, this is when they peace out in their relationships. This is when they peace out in their churches, is when the foundation gets tested. And what I've found is many times we don't have the right foundation for our unity. We don't understand this. Because we peace out the first time we get offended, the first time someone hurts our feelings, the first time someone doesn't talk to us, the first time that we don't like the way the lights are, the first, first time we don't like the songs they're choosing. Then there's deuces. And we've got a very, very shallow, very superficial uh, understanding of unity. But what Paul is saying, no, 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 you've got to get it deeper. The foundation of our unity is the blood of Jesus. It means we don't break over trivial things. Like growing up, I heard about churches splitting over the color of the carpet. Like, come on. Or the color they painted the walls. This committee is against this committee. I hate the word committee. Just because I've heard of the division that it brings in churches. We'll never have a committee here. We'll have teams that work together, but we never have a committee. I'm just letting you know. We'll call it something else. It'll probably be a committee, but it's going to be call it something else. Foundation of our unity is God's love and His Spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? It's deeper. We don't, it doesn't break down, but at some point that's going to be tested. 
in your life, in your relationships, in our, ch- in our church, there's going to be moments on our teams in which the foundation of our unity gets tested, and we have to step back and look at that and remember that he died for me just like he died for you. The same spirit that's living inside of me is living in you. When I'm having conflict with somebody and they're about to drive me crazy, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're, we're the same. We're the same. The same blood of Jesus that, that saved me is the one that saved you. The second thing I believe that he begins to lead us to, and it's really throughout uh, his letter to the Philippians, we see this pop up almost as like a sub-theme throughout the text, which is having the same mind, having the same mind. And if I know anything about humanity, I know that we all have very different minds. They're all very similar, but they're also very different. Uh, I don't have to look very far to find this. I know this in my own house. Um, me and Taryn have a, a, we're very different. We have very different personalities. We look at life very differently. My, my, uh, son Camden is very different from me. Elisha is very different. Beckett, you awake, buddy? Come here, come here real quick. Come here. This is, this is my oldest with his awesome Jack's, uh, socks. Um, this kid right here. On the other hand, we are, this is like my spitting image. Like, if you see our baby pictures, if you see our baby pictures right next to each other, you literally can't tell who's who. And if, you, if someone just described our personalities, you could not tell the difference. <laughs> they were identical. But that's not what Paul's talking about in same mind. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, give it up for Beckett. Kids, an amazing kid. Last weekend we had a, I'm going to tell you a funny story from last weekend. We had a leadership gathering at my house. And uh, I'm, it's a Sunday afternoon. I'm exhausted. I'm laying on the couch type, typing notes for a few more things for our meeting. I'm exhausted. I can't move. There's laundry all over the house. This kid worked for like an hour and a half without being asked. An hour and a half, putting away laundry, cleaning up our house to prepare for that. Like, he's a rock star. Total cool kid. <laughs> Love you, buddy. I'm proud of you. Um, but that's not, just because we're the same person, that's not the same mind that Paul's talking about. Paul, Paul's talking about, no, no, we understand we are operating out of the same mind as what? Christ Jesus, that he'll go on to tell us. That's the mindset. We're operating out of the the same love is bubbling, the same end goal. He says it in actually the same purpose. It's not just the same spirit, but we have the same mind because we know we're all going in the same direction. Those of you that have ever been around athletics or a team of any sort and and know that conflict happens and and you, you see teammates yelling at each other, but you know what? They can get over it fast many times because they know we're all trying to do the same thing. What? We're all trying to win. We're all going in the same direction. We have the same mind, and oftentimes in your marriages, in your teams, in your business, in, in our church teams, we find that, hey, the real problem is some of us, we're actually working with our own agenda, and we're not after the same goal, which is the glory of God, and to build his kingdom, and to be used, and to be the family of God, and to be ambassadors for him. We have the same goal, so even if we disagree on how to get there, we got the same mind. At the beginning of, of chapter 4, Paul is talking. He, he actually calls some people out in his letter. He's like, hey, hey, believers, uh, church at Philippi, I need you to, to, to circle around you, Odia and Sintike. I need you to huddle them up and get those ladies on the same mind because they're not on the same page. And it's causing division in the church. He's like, hey, we need to actually work on that. And so he, he calls them out to really join together and have the same thing, the same mind. And so, so often uh, we, we wonder and we don't realize that this battle is going to be won and lost in our mind and we just allow thoughts to linger. And, and you say, well, okay, well, how do I win that battle? How do I get victorious in my mind? 
Well, I think we've got to flip over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, Paul's talking to a different church. And here's what he says to them. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, right? Though we're, we live here, we're actually citizens there, but we don't wage war as the world does. How are we going to win this battle? Not like they do out there. The world we fight, uh, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Manipulation, nope, not here. Gossip, nope, not, not, not here. Power control, no, 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 no not, not here. We fight with not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We're going to re- review that word here in a minute. We demolish arguments. And every pretension, any conversation that's going on that's setting itself up against the knowledge of God, any internal dialogue that's setting itself up the unity of the body of Christ and the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take the thought. How do we win the battle? We take the thoughts captive. Take the thoughts captive. So what does that look like? That sounds nice. What does that mean? It means this. When... When there's an offense, when there's a moment that you know you feel a wedge that just gets thrown in there and there's unforgiveness or there's just a situation in which you see something online and, oh, we look at this really differently. I completely disagree with you about this political decision. I completely uh, disagree with you about this candidate. I completely, right? This is all, we're having these thoughts. We're having these conversations. What do we do with that? Well, we stop. We reflect on it. And we take it captive. Every once in a while in our house, I don't know how they get in, but we get these little baby lizards. These little baby lizards that just crawl in our house. Anybody else know? We live in Florida and just little, little lizards. So the kids will go. Elisha, our, our four-year-old, grabbed one the other day, and she just had it, and she scared the mess out of her mom walking up with a little lizard. She's like, ah, scared her. No, and you know what we do? We're just like, not a big deal. Just throw them outside. They just, I take it captive. The kids take it captive. They have fun with it, and we just throw it outside. And we need to do the same thing with our thoughts that cause division. Because uh, Paul uses a similar idea here when talking about these strongholds over in Ephesians 4. He says, in your anger, do not sin. He gives us a, a method of how to do this. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Remember that. And do not give the devil a foothold. So we see stronghold. We see these mindsets, and we see a foothold. The words are very similar here. I don't want to get into a big semantic argument uh, about foothold and stronghold, but here's what that word means there, foothold. It really means a place. It really means, in my translation, a seat at the table. When we let anger, when we let disagreement, when we let bitterness, when we let unforgiveness, when we sleep on it, and I'll just call it the 24-hour rule, After that, what is a moment for offense actually becomes a foothold for the enemy. Because now it's there and the enemy gets excited the next time something rolls around. I'm going to give you an example of that here in just a few minutes. And then over time, that foothold, we've we've given the enemy a seat at the table because we haven't let it go. We haven't taken the thought captive and said, no, that's actually against the knowledge of Christ. It's against the unity of the body, and I haven't taken that lizard outside, so now there's another seat at the table, and I've given the devil a foothold. So some of the disagreements that are going on in your marriage, the, the reason that there's division there is because there's another seat at the table that's not supposed to be there. That you've, you've slept on things too long, and what was a foothold is now a stronghold. Because it hasn't been there. The sea hasn't been there for, for a week or a month. It's been there for years. 
And you've got a stronghold. Now every moment that comes up, you're operating not out of the truth of God's spirit and out of his love and unity there, but you've lost the battle because there's this giant wall up, a stronghold. So I did another message on this further back. I don't even remember the title. We can link to it somewhere on social media if you want to look that back up. But we've got to take these thoughts captive and know that they're having a real manifestation in our life, and that's where our battle for unity happens. It happens up here, not letting these things fester, not leaving that seat at the table. Uh, the, the, the third thing that I, I really believe that Paul uh, points us to is uh, that the actions of unity require humility. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing. He gives, then he goes on beyond uh, verse 5, and he shows us that, that gospel poem. Remember that gospel poem that's, that Jesus, who being in his very nature, did not consider equality. He gives us the perfect example of humility. And then he, he, rather he made himself nothing, that uh, of a nature of a servant. And you see the posture of humility, these actions of humility. Nothing out of selfish ambition, nothing out of vain conceit, but thinking of others is better than ourselves. Well, last uh, Sunday, like I told you, we were having a little leadership gathering, and a funny moment happened um, that doesn't paint me in a great light, and so let me tell you about it. Um, <laughs> that's usually how it goes, right? So, um, so we have like a little like chaise lounge uh, couch, and then I pulled these two other chairs, and there's one other chair that's kind of in the middle of the room, and, and I hate that. I hate like when I'm kind of like awkwardly out in the middle, and so I sat in one of these kind of two bucket chairs on the end, and somebody else was sitting there, and and then uh, somebody's like, hey, I, I want to see the thing you build in here. So I walked him in there for a couple minutes. And, and when I was out of the room, uh, Jackie came and sat in my seat. No offense to her, but she came and sat in my seat. So I'm in there for a couple of minutes, and, and um, I, I walk back into the room, and I see her sitting there. I'm like, no, 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 get out of my seat. Get out of my seat. You know those people you're just close with, you just, you know, you get too comfortable, and you just kind of say whatever you want, you know, like your family. So we, we've been working together a long time. So I said, get out of my seat. No, 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 you, you, sit, you sit over there. And uh, just uh, apparently while I was out of the room, though, Taryn had walked into the room, my wife Taryn, and, uh, and Tara, another one of our team members, uh, was sitting in like the big comfy lounge chair, and, and um, Tar- you know, Tara says to my wife Taryn, hey, do you want your seat? Do you want to sit here? And, and Taryn goes, no, 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 no. She's like, I'm not taking your seat. What kind of person would kick you out of their seat? <laughs> 60 seconds later, I come in, and I, what kind of person? I'm that kind of person. <laughs> Apparently, your husband, the man you, you, you sleep in bed with at night, that's, that's the kind of person that would do that. Now, don't judge me, because I know you've kicked somebody out of your seat before. You shoot somebody on. That was not an action of humility. You know, for, for someone who is, in fact, you know, maybe immature in that moment or easily offended, could find themselves harboring that. I'm like, I was actually kind of selfish. You know, I know Jackie, and I know she didn't give another thought to it. She laughed it off and moved on. But for some, that could have been like, oh, he's being kind of, he's not thinking. And then he gets up here and preaches Philippians 2. Who does he think he is? He's not acting like a servant. He just kicked me out of my seat. And all of a sudden, that thought, if it, but she, what she did, she stopped probably at some point, reflected. Maybe it took her five minutes, maybe it took her 30 seconds, maybe it took her three days. But she reflected, she took those thoughts captive, but what, what would happen if not? The next time something comes up, and, and maybe I, I actually do have a humble heart in the way I'm saying it, but it doesn't come off that way, but there's another seat at the table now. 
And so that seat at the table just whispers, like, can you really follow someone who's going to be selfish like that? And then there's an opportunity there for the enemy. And then the next thing that happens, and then over months, then there's a, a, a foothold that becomes a stronghold. And so why, what Paul is telling us is that we actually need this to, to live in unity with one another, right? We, we must be humble. We, and we must have actions uh, that present that, and that only comes out of a heart that is humble, that's birthed out of remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us. That's, that's where our humility comes from, is the gospel itself. That while I, where I started, Romans 5, 8, while I was still a sinner, he found me. He didn't find me in my goodness. No, no, his mercy and his kindness are what draw me to repentance to be like, no, that was a terrible thing to do. That was really mean. That was very prideful. I was not doing uh, and following uh, the same mind of Christ right here and the actions of that. And so we need these, these actions in our life if we're going to promote uh, unity humility must be present in our spirit. So I'd ask for you to reflect on that in your own life. Uh, maybe there's a story in the past 24 hours of the past a week that looks a lot like mine last Sunday. Like, man, I was just being selfish. Maybe there's a relationship right now that's, you know, you don't really know where to go to kind of bring things back together. But here, here's what I know about unity is that it takes two humble people. Two prideful people will never be unified. One, one humble person and one prideful people, they can't be unified. They're not of the same mind. But what happens when everybody's operating this is it's a beautiful thing. No, no, you, no, no, you go first. You ever get in one of those situations and it's just obnoxious to the point? Everybody's being so, no, no, you go. No, no, you go through the door, like opening the door for someone. But that, that's the heart of God is we're putting others above ourselves. Just because I didn't want to sit in the middle of the room, well, I don't want her to sit in the middle of the room either. So I'm thinking of others. The final thing, and I want to read from John chapter 17 here in a minute. And this is where it all comes to a head. And this is, this is where I'm trying to take you today. So don't, so lean in and, and grab a hold of this today. John chapter 17 is another one of my favorite places in scripture. I referred to it um, actually last week when we were talking about being ambassadors of Christ. I, I referenced it because this is where that um, we're not of the world, but we're sent to the world. This is where that comes from. John chapter 17. I want to jump to verse 20. There's a lot in here where Jesus is reiterating what we've been saying. That we're not a part of this world. We're citizens of heaven. So I'll let you go back and read that. But this is one of the rare moments we get in scripture. Of just a disciple obviously overhearing Jesus. But Jesus is praying in private for us. But he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. It's not just for us, sons and daughters, believers. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them, all of them from every nation, from every part of town, from every uh, socioeconomic class, whether you got one figure or six figures, all of them may be one. Just, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe. How are they going to believe out there? Is when we're in Christ. When we're understanding the foundation we have, the unity we have. I've given them 
um, and that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, in, uh, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Here's it. Don't miss this. Then the world will know that you have sent them, sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved them. Just process that for just a second. Jesus is saying he wants us to be unified because then the world's going to know that, that he is who he said he was. And that he's loved those on the outside just like he loves those on the inside. Just like the father loves the son, he loves those on the outside. This is huge. That's why there, we have a responsibility of unity. Because it's one of our greatest evangelism tools. Think about, I, I know the story of many, particularly in Jacksonville, particularly in uh, the Bible Belt in, in the South. So many have left churches, have been hurt by the church. And I would bear to imagine that the vast majority of those of you who left said, that doesn't look much like heaven in there. I'm not coming back there. It's just a bunch of divisions, just people arguing, people being judgmental. But think about this. If, if that was completely flipped to what Jesus is calling here, it, 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 that you came into a room, you came into a place in which the people are unified. All you hear all week is people neg negative Nancy and they're arguing about things on Facebook and arguing about politics at the water cooler. And there's just constant division in our nation and, and our two presidential candidates are just yelling at each other for two hours and we're just like, oh my God. And then they come into the church and what do they find? They find unity. Not division, they find unity that looks otherworldly. See, the reality of humility, the reality of unity that Jesus calls us into cannot be performed by our own flesh. It's built on the foundation of the blood of Jesus and his spirit operating inside of us. Because we are human. I will be offended. My feelings will be hurt. I will have disagreements. And if I operate in my carnal flesh, I will, I will uh, operate in a way that, that is divisive. But we are called into a life of unity. And in fact, it's a responsibility because it's one of our greatest evangelism tools. For Jesus, the foundation of our witness is unity. It's foundational that we love each other, that we're in this together, that we've all been united in Christ. I know that probably doesn't get you pumped up about unity. Maybe it does. I hope it does. But it's a calling for each of us. It's a weight. It's a burden of responsibility to work through the moments in which the foundation is being tested it's a, it's a burden and a responsibility for us to work through our own pride issues that are keeping us from being unified in his body. But can you just imagine a, someone who's from the outside who comes into the body of Christ and just sees some things that are like, whoa, whoa, whoa you guys just, like you're just going to forgive them? You mean you're not going to cancel them like the rest of the world? No, no. No, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Like Jesus saved me, he saved them, and I'm going to forgive them. That's what Jesus did for me like more times than I can count. <laughs> and so we're called into this unity. We're called into this responsibility. You guys can come and prepare to lead us in worship. Um, 
But I don't know. I want you, I want you to think about this in your own heart. I want you to think, to think about this in your life, where you're at on this. Maybe, as, as Jack said, maybe you've been um, not living together and you've been dying alone. I'm going to encourage you to reach out, join an online group, join an in-person group that gives you an opportunity to not die alone, but to be connected, to live together. My prayer for you, my prayer for Fathom Church is that we'd be a reflection of the Father and the Son. We'd be an answer to what Jesus' prayer is, that we would be unified, that nothing would divide us, that we would be united. If If there's any encouragement from being united with Christ and have the same mind, Make his joy complete. It makes the Father, it, it makes his heart pleased when we're of the same mind. When he sees us divided like your kids fighting, like a friendship, it just, it's, a, it's a burden and we're called into this life. And so I want to pray with you today. I want to pray that, that God would work in our hearts, that he would bind us together spiritually on the foundation that is the blood of Jesus and the common spirit we have. Would you stand with me as we prepare our hearts to worship today? And maybe we just pray a simple prayer today. Maybe like me, I'm just going to open my hands and just ask God to work in my heart, work in my life. Maybe you'll just kneel right there at home or right here in the room. You'll just make your altar at your seat. Maybe you want to join one of our prayer partners here in just a few moments. Maybe God's revealing some things at which we've got some strongholds up. We've got some mindsets that are working against the knowledge of God, but but the weapons we wage war break down those, demolish those strongholds. Come on, that's the power we have. That's the weapon we have, is in prayer and in worship and the Word of God. We take those thoughts captive today. God, right now, every single person with the sound of my voice online and in person, God, we take captive those thoughts that are working against the knowledge of our Father. God, for those of us that have had a surface level understanding of unity, drive us deeper into our identity as a part of the family of God, as citizens of heaven together, God. We will wage war in our own personal lives on the battlefield of our mind, God, knowing that it is you, that, that because of your blood that we are unified and nothing of this world can separate us, God. We thank you for that today. God, may we, may fathom, church, may every single one of us be a part of the mission of God and the unity of the family of God by operating out of the same humility that we see in Jesus Christ. Could we model ourselves after your love, after your unity, God, and may all the world know that you are who you said you are. Out of that love, God, may it come bursting forth and just realization for people in this moment watching online or right now or people that will come in the coming weeks, God. May it just become crystal clear that, God, you are who you said you were and you are today, God, because of the love that they experience, the unity they experience in the body of Christ right here at Fathom Church. We love you today. We give you all the praise, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come. There's going to be prayer partners. We'd love to pray with you. If there's any way we can pray for you online, just just put in the word, comment the word prayer, and just somebody's going to reach out and just make a connection with you.